It's no wonder, is it, that God who is spirit, right, God is spirit, in order to help us understand his heart, right, uses this analogy, invites us through his son, Jesus, his begotten, only begotten son, Jesus, invites us to call him father. We sang the Lord's Prayer earlier, but let's, especially hyper-aware of the Father heart of God, let's pray that prayer together. Can we do that? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you uh, open up the word of God with me? we were just reflecting again. Someone was asking me this week, why aren't the Bibles back in the pews? Um, we're so conditioned to the COVID that we, uh, that we have not put them back in. There are some large print Bibles, those big black ones if you need one. They're also, we invite you to use your phones. Um, we also invite you to carry the Word of God with you. I, I um, have just kind of gotten the habit of carrying, uh, and so I, I feel a little, you know, and you don't have your keys or your wallet, you feel kind of naked. And I, I feel a little naked. And, and I'm just amazed at how many times um, that will be a, a conversation starter. And it usually goes something like this. Um, that's a good book. And I'll go, yeah. Have you read it? You know? Um, and, then, and then we'll just start a conversation about the Word of God. So, so um, <clears throat> beloved... I know it's convenient to have the Bible on your phone in your pocket, but but consider bringing your favorite Bible um, with you wherever you go and, and bringing it here. And there's nothing that would make my heart more glad than to hear that little flutter that happens. Turn, let's try it. Turn to Psalm 103. Are you already there? <laughs> okay, she goes, I'm already there. Don't hear the flutter. Turn to Psalm 103 with me, would you, and, um, and hear the Word of God. By the way, as, as you're turning there, as I'm turning there, um, we will be continuing our, um, our study from last week about the body of Christ. But um, it was just wonderful as God's Word. God's Word is one, and it tells one story as we think about fathers especially. I just saw how many times it came out in even this discussion of the body of Christ. But let's try and tap into the very heart of God, if we could. We're going to begin in the middle of an incredible psalm, Psalm 103. But we're going to jump right to um, uh, a a kind of a self-definition of God in the middle of Psalm 103, beginning at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, some translations say rebuke, nor will he keep his anger forever. So he does get angry. It's just not long anger, right? 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, our stellar theme here, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his, so there's that word again, steadfast love toward those who fear him. Psalm 145, toward those who trust in his unfailing love, right? And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Would you read verse 13 with me? As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The very word of God. Well, thank you, God. Thank you that your word never returns to you void. Thank you for this mystery, which is the spoken word. God, as, as I speak words, your Holy Spirit translates those to each and every one of our situations, our life situations, and you speak, God, even as we listen. So, so uh, do that miracle again. I pray that the words of my mouth but also the meditations, God, of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen? Amen. I'm going to take just a moment and pop my shirt off because I just feel constrained by this shirt that's too small for my body. (laughs) I am uh, in serious denial and, and, and continue to insist on wearing size large shirts when I am a size extra large tummy. Thank you for your patience. Well, last week, I better get this back on. Last week, we, we um, uh, dug deep into one, into one of at least seven or eight uh, metaphors for um, the, this thing we call the church, the body of Christ, right? And and I just challenged you to think deeply and, and not just about the metaphor of the body, but also all the many metaphors, one of which is also family. Right. And, and so if the body of Christ is also the family of God, uh, we have a heavenly father who is uh, who is our head, who is our leader. And so. Last week, um, I challenged you to think deeply about the body of Christ, but we didn't get to the part where um, where we say, what is our part in the body of Christ? Now, I'm going to be periodically today speaking to men in particular, but but it's, it's not a, a, a question just for men. It's for every man, woman, child, everyone who is a part of the family of God to ask yourself that question, where do I fit in? How do I relate to this to this institution called the church? And I want to just remind you of previous teachings. One of them is a way of looking at the different aspects of who God created you to be that actually help move you to that place where you uh, discover how you fit in. Right. Uh, and, and so I'm going to ask you to think about a couple of different things. And, and whenever I do this teaching, I'm, I'm astounded by the number of people that have never felt free to think about those things. Right. 
uh, that never this felt the, the grace of God to be able to say, yeah, God, you created me. It makes sense that that the things that I'm feeling, the things that I'm experiencing are part of that that new identity that I have in Jesus Christ. And so when we're asking the question, where do I fit in? I want you to think about your passion. Now, again, we recently did a deep study on the word passion. And uh, the root of that word we discovered was suffering, right? Um, But uh, And so to have compassion is to enter into someone else's suffering. But there's also another meaning for that word that, that is more common for us in our culture right now. And that is this, what drives you, right? I want you to think in a couple different ways about that. What is it? I'm sorry for the automotive analogy, but what is it that turns your crank? I just realized I used one from about 1910. I'm not quite that old, but I'm getting... I'm getting in that range. What is it that really turns your crank, that that enables you to pop up in the morning and say, you might not say it this way, at least before you shower and your cup of coffee, but, but I can't wait to face this day, right? I can't wait to engage this day. What is it that God has uniquely granted you to draw you into his purpose for your life. Many people I've discovered were never given permission to answer that question. They were never, they were never um, given the freedom to answer that question. I remember years ago, Mike Fair, um, uh, uh, talking with you about golf. And, and if you know Mike, uh, you know that Mike loves golf, right? Um, he's passionate about golf, right? So, um, does he hide that? Does he, you know, does he say, you know, Mike doesn't hide much of anything, but but it's not spiritual enough, right? Uh, come on, Mike, let, um, let's find. No, no. If that's what turns your crank, find a way to make that passion, uh, to use that passion for the kingdom of God. And uh, I think about uh, your husband, Donna, and he loved golf, and he used that. And, and I saw uh, just a little uh, while ago Bill Osborne's picture on on the thing, too. Um, knock your lights out. Knock your lights out, you know. Um, just use it for the kingdom of God. And isn't there, Donna, isn't there, is it the 16th hole uh, on, on that golf course that's, that's kind of dedicated? I know your husband impacted so many people and the way that he did it for some, for many, was through his passion, his golf, right? So so um, I give you permission, like I have any power over your life, I give you permission to think deeply about what turns your crank, right? I give you permission to use what you love and are passionate about for the kingdom of God, that very well might be the place where you enter in. I don't see my bride in here, but for for 30 years, she has a loved children. That she, she just loves them, right? And 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 I thought, well, that that's when she had small children. Then when they get larger, no, she still loves children's ministry. That's her passion. And she uses it for the kingdom of God. But I want to I want to stop for a second because some of us are still saying, you know what? I don't really feel passionate about anything, right? I'm just trying to survive. There's a 
I don't I hesitate to call it the dark side of your passion, but but another way of of discovering your passion is to think about what makes you angry, to think about what makes you weep, to think about what makes you pound the table, right? Oh my goodness. I, I, I'm in conversations with you. Oftentimes, if you talk with someone long enough, that will come out some some hot button in their life. Now, I'm not saying that they should express that in anger. I'm not saying that they should express that inappropriately. But oftentimes, the thing that drives you crazy is the flip side of your passion. It's because you're passionate about that, right? And so, um, if you're not uh, automatically coming to that place where I know what my passion is, think about the things that make you weep or, or uh, pound the table. See, it's your passion that motivates you to serve. And so, so, so worthy of your attention um, because when you serve out of your passion, you serve for a lifetime, right? You serve for a lifetime. So think about your passion, but think also about your character, and your calling. And I kind of lump those two things together because I started just by talking about your calling, but, but you'll never realize your calling until you come to that place where you're able to think deeply about character as, as well. Now let me just, um, say your calling or, uh, as the poet uh, Frederick Buechner says, your vocation, you can hear the voc- vocare Latin word in there, um, your calling or vocation is that place where your greatest joy, but also the world's greatest need, meet, right? So I spent quite a bit of time in engineering geology uh, preparing for what I thought would be a career that would provide for my family because one of my childhood tastes was you got to be able to provide for your family. And, and was it my passion? No. Did uh, I spend many uh, sleepless nights up in the engineering library? Um, yes. Um, but, but over and over again, I began to realize that's not who I am. That's not who God is calling me to be, right? Um, it wasn't my joy. And after some significant wrestling with God, um, it, it, I, I'm, I'm stumbling because he had always given me permission. He told me exactly what I was to do. I just was afraid to enter into it. I was afraid to embrace my joy, right? But after a couple years of significantly wrestling with God over those things, then, then I gave up and accepted what he had already told me was my purpose. And, and then life became a joy, right? I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. I can think of no more than one hand, maybe two times when I didn't want to just jump out of the bed and and get to my calling, right? Get to that place. So, so I just want to encourage you. Um, think about your passion, but also think about the call of God in your life. You should see in your notes, I don't remember whether I left them in there or not, uh, a deeper expression of that for those of you who have been following Jesus for many years. Um, there's a deeper study there for you. But I want to think a little bit as we begin here, just about uh, very simple understandings of a father's character and a father's calling. Again, these Principles are just as true for women 
as they are for men. But but on this Father's Day, I wanted to I wanted to just anchor ourselves in the scriptural understanding of fatherhood, a father's character. Did you catch that earlier? It went by so fast. I know. But the Lord is merciful. Wow. Not giving us what we deserve. Right. What do we deserve? Help me. Death, right? Yeah. And he doesn't give us that, right? He gives us life instead. He, the Lord is merciful, not giving us what he, we deserve. Oh, he's just. He, God cares about the, the outcomes of the decisions that we make. He is just, but, but he's also merciful and, and, and allows us release from the natural consequences of our decisions. Beyond mercy, he's also gracious. And, and I know that lots of us slip into a kind of sanitized version of gracious. But gracious means before we were ever aware, God extended his mercy to us, right? Before we were ever aware of our need for Jesus, Jesus died on the cross in our place. Jesus exchanged his destiny, um, eternal relationship with the Heavenly Father, for our destiny, death, right? And in dying on the cross, released us from the consequences of the things that we have done, the things that we have left undone, the things that have been done to us in grace. He extended his life to us. That's, that's the nature and character of our heavenly father. The, when it's in caps like that, the, 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 the Lord, Yahweh. He is merciful and gracious. And if he's those things and, and we want to be like him, then we have the chance to be those things as well. I'm thinking about it because... Um, uh, I've shared with you umpteen stories of my anger management issues. And um, and wow, I remember every time that would happen, my anger would come out. I would um, I would think, where did that come from? What is that? And, and in case I wasn't asking that, my friends, fellow racquetball players would help me ask that. What was that, right? What was that? Uh, and, and I realize I have a heavenly father who's not a slave to his anger. I have a heavenly father who's slow to anger, right? He's merciful. He's gracious. He gets angry. Anger is not wrong. It's not, it's not a sin. It's what you do with that anger that is a sin. In fact, I, I challenged you just a few moments ago. Think about your anger because that's oftentimes the dark side of your passion, right? The Lord, our Heavenly Father, gets angry, right? He just, he's not quick to anger. And far beyond any anger that he has, Psalm 108, verse 8, excuse me, 103, verse 8, might be printed wrong in your bulletin, um, says he abounds, he overflows. In steadfast love, um, long-term disciples, research that word, H-E-S-E-D, chesed, right? Steadfast love. He abounds in it. Love covers what? 
a multitude of sins, right? Uh, so even though when we sin against God, it causes anger for him. His anger is overshadowed by his steadfast love. And, and he sees beyond our brokenness and our pain and invites us into that kind of relationship. So, so there's, there's more beautiful things right there in those verses for us today. He doesn't deal with us according to our sin. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love for us. Look at this. As far as the east is from the west. Yes, this is where it comes from. Right here, as far as the east is from the west. In other words, the east and west never meet, do they? As far as, as we can possibly metaphorically understand there, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sin from us. And then if we're going to reflect the nature and character of our Heavenly Father, um, we're going to have to do the same. We're going to have to do the same. Now, in, in beauty, there's many more teachings on this, but in beauty, Jesus recognizes it's, going to, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, we're going to have to forgive and let go 70 times 7. We are going to have to, um, we're going to have to experience this over and over again. But I was about to say, I was about to say, even as God has helped me get over my anger, but I went to the ECS modern-day um, soccer game last year, and woo! I, I, I was going there to support the families uh, in our congregation who have children in the soccer program, right? And about three minutes after I got there, I'm standing there yelling at the refs, what in the world? Are you blind? Right? Um, so I'm still a work in progress. But hopefully, hopefully over time, I'm, I'm reflecting... Uh, my heavenly Father's image, you know, more and more like him. I'm smiling because I'm also reflecting my earthly Father's image, and uh, and I used to think that was going to be a scary thing, and now it's a badge of honor. It is a badge of honor to reflect His image. Mm. Women, men, we are growing in the nature and character of our heavenly Father. But I want to also go back and pick up this aspect of calling. And I want to think, speak to you men just for a second, if I can. What is, whether you're a biological father or not, um, the, you father other people, what is the father's calling? What does that look like? And I just want to prompt you with a couple of, of different ideas from different places in scriptures just to, to get the thought processes going. First of all, uh, a child, your first calling, men, is to be a child. Does that make sense? Um, uh, Jesus said, unless, unless we become like children, right, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, um, when, when Jesus himself submitted, even though he was without sin, to John the Baptist baptizing him, when he, when he was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. 
with whom I am well pleased. I'm going to call you to a lot of things, men. But your first calling is to be a son of the living God. And I'm going to press that even further. Is to be a, a beloved son. Well, how do I act like? No, it's not about how you act at all. It's an identity that is already yours. Are you buying this? Are you stumbling over the fact that God loves you, brothers? You're thinking, Pastor Dave, if you really knew my heart, you would know that there's no way I do know your heart because I have that same heart, right? Your worth in God's eyes is not because of what you've done or not done or has been done to you. Your worth is the fact that your heavenly Father loves you more than you could ever imagine. Some of you Bible scholars are going, wait a second, Pastor Dave, that, he was talking to Jesus and I'm not Jesus, right? That's the beauty of your adoption into the family of God. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? Jesus Christ becomes a part of your identity. He is your identity so that what God says to Jesus, he's saying to you. When you have Jesus in you, at whatever level you're allowing him to, to exist, then, then the Father says, yeah, you are my beloved son. And maybe even the harder one with whom I'm well pleased. Wow. If you're thinking, I want that desperately, but I don't feel it, get Jesus. Right? The more Jesus in you that you have, the more you'll feel hear and see in Scripture the Father's love for you, right? Get Jesus. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, man, then then it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. And I'm not saying that if you have Jesus, it's going to be all roses. No, but you'll have resources that you never could have imagined. Get Jesus. Get Jesus. Your first calling is to be the beloved son. But, but your second calling here is, is to be a godly husband, right? A godly husband. Right now, again, I can just sense that several people just felt condemnation when I said that. Because you're thinking, I'm not a godly husband. Well, you're, he, he's not done with you yet, right? How many times in our studies have we been at that place where we realized there was an aspect of the character of God that, that it was not us, and, and, and we celebrated because God can give you a desire, right? I desire to desire to be a godly husband. Beloved, this could be the beginning of an amazing transformation in your life. And so understand that a part of your calling is to reflect the very nature of God and, and to love your wife, right? As Christ loved the church. To sacrificially live and to give yourself up for her, right? And at the end of that passage, Paul puts that incredible promise. Um, you want to love yourself? Love your bride. Right? Love your bride. 
And, and all kinds of words of condemnation are floating out there right now because um, some of you are not currently um, with the wife of your youth. No condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But, but instead of focusing on her, um, focus on you, right? Say, God, help me to become the man who is or could be a godly husband. That's a part of your calling, man. That's a part of your calling. Some of you are called to singleness. I understand that. I celebrate that. But, but the character issues are the same, right? To love and to live sacrificially. Your calling doesn't just include being the beloved son and, and being a godly husband. But it also includes being a godly leader, right? A, a godly leader, both in your home, right? But, but let me just walk a chain with you. In your personal life, a, a godly leader leads himself, right? And, and, and so many, it's really actually in vogue right now from Air Force generals to to businessmen, it all begins with saying, God, you have entrusted to me this life. I'm going to live it well. I'm going to start with personal leadership. Whether that means in a simple habit, um, every time you, you, you commit to, to a simple covenant or a simple promise and keep it, you grow in the nature and character of God. Or, or something as complex. I'm astounded with the, with the leaders that God has entrusted to me to chaplain. I'm astounded with the blast zone of their life. Some of them uh, uh, are responsible for uh, hundreds of other uh, individuals who represent thousands of people. And, and God has set them apart to lead. Whether it's a t-ball team for kindergartners or or a multinational corporation the principle is the same to to become like jesus a godly leader as well calling includes leading your family i've so enjoyed i'm involved in a couple different men's groups and just hearing the stories how men have courageously risked even at late seasons in their family's life, risk beginning to uh, take leadership in their home and in their families, right? As simple as maybe saying, instead of just saying over the lips and pass the gums, can we, can we during the mealtime, can we actually open God's word and spend one minute reflecting on who God is. Many of you have taken it way beyond that. You're praying uh, personally with your wife. You're praying with your children. You are um, blessing them and speaking spiritual truth into their life. A part of, of this incredible invitation, this incredible calling is, is to lead your families as well. And it's never, ever too late. Why? Because... Because your family continues to grow. Um, God entrusted to me, Karen. Right? And, and now there's, oh, I'm going to get it wrong, 12 and a half of us. Right? There's 12 and a half of us in that immediate, immediate circle of influence. And apparently I'm not doing such a good job because um, my four-year-old uh, chose to have an Elvis birthday. 
You've not lived till you've seen a little midget man in a white suit with, with a dark wig on. Um, and I said, what in the world is this? Why did he choose Elvis? And Matt says, well, we have one CD in our car, and we like to play it over and over again, and it's an Elvis CD. All righty then. Um, oh, my goodness. God has granted you incredible uh, impact. And, and once you look first to your own life, look to your next uh, most important priority to your family. But I want to extend that real quickly to, to um, your church as well. Um, uh, you, you don't understand. I, I do. Even this last week, wandering around, very quiet people, people who will never, uh, never challenge you and, and, and do what a lot of people think of as leadership things. They were quietly serving this last week. And as I encourage you to walk around, you'll see the fruit of, of their labor. We're feeling the fruit of some of their labor right now. Um, uh, leadership doesn't just mean being an elder or a deacon, right? Those are uh, aspects of leadership uh, that are part of the body of Christ, but they, they are absolutely worthless without people leading out of their passions and leading out of their giftedness. So, so um, uh, 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 a father's calling is, is also to lead in his church. And you lead the church by serving according to your calling and according to your giftedness. Do you have some gray notes in your, in your thing right there? Did I take them out? You do have some gray notes. Great place to continue this conversation. Um, we're not going to explore spiritual gifts uh, today, but it's critical that you do. And probably one day we'll do a whole series on discovering your spiritual gifts. But everyone who entrusts their life to Jesus Christ is given at faith spiritual gifts for the encouragement, for the building up, for the bodybuilding we talked about last week, for the building up of the body of Christ. I just invite you to lead. Lead, fathers. I invite you to lead in your community as well. It might be that, that your most significant spiritual leadership is not in this church at all. It might be that it's in the company that you serve. It might be that it's in the school across the street. It might be that, that it's in, in our community some way. We have amazing leaders in the room right now who are providing incredible leadership to major nonprofits, major organizations within our city. And, and so, man, do not underestimate what God can do through your life. And I stuck this one on the end right here because I have been so blessed. Every morning my phone blows up with old college roommates as we look at a passage together every morning. And, and they lead me into a deeper understanding of Jesus. Several times a week I hear from or in a small group with other men who are following after Jesus and, and they lead me into a deeper understanding of him. Um, fathers, you're not just called to lead yourself and to lead your family and to lead your church and to lead your community. You're also called to lead other men. Other men. And when you do, you multiply, you multiply your effectiveness. Because like the men who lead me, um, I then take that and lead others as well. Well, just as a 
thought about this calling issue. Your calling, if 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 first of all your your um, passion uh, is is that place where where your the world's greatest need and your greatest joy meet. If your passion is that which motivates you to serve, your calling is is that which determines what you are to do. What you are to do. Worship team, come on up if you would. But lastly, I just want to, um, I want you to think, uh, um, and again, the invitation was to think about your giftedness during the week here, but to think also about your participation in the body of Christ, right? I want you to think very specifically about um, your personal profession of faith, your personal profession of faith. Men, fathers, um, uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you will agree with God, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you, raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I honestly have seen many men who try and live the Christian life without a personal relationship with God, right? They said, this is, I, I see Christian men, I want to be like them, but uh, I don't want to surrender um, control of my life to anyone else. Um, not even Jesus, right? But you cannot do this. You cannot reflect the Father heart of God without coming to that place where you agree with God about who you are, where you make a public, or excuse me, a personal profession of Christ, of who Christ is. And Matthew 16, uh, Jesus took his disciples to that place where all the idols of the world were displayed before them, and they probably recognized several of them. They might have even served several of them. And, and he said, who do the people say that I am, right? And they laughed and and, and reflected on all the different misunderstandings about who Jesus is. And then, bam, he said, who do you say that I am? Right. And there is myself. There we go. Um, who do you say Jesus is? Because everything, wow, I'm going to say stronger than I thought I would. Everything in this life and in eternity depends upon your answer to that question. Who do you say that he is? Remember what Peter said? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But, but then I want to also invite you to then, if you're able to go to that place, then to say, who does Jesus say I am? Because he thinks a lot more highly of you than you probably think of yourself. And start living into his perception of who you are, his declaration of who you are rather than your fears. Amen? And just a couple of additional thoughts. Your public proclamation is a critical part of your body of Christ. Because when you say, I want the world to know that I choose to follow Jesus, I can't look at people without seeing and remembering those moments when you did that, right? Um, when you make that public proclamation through baptism, the very public act of baptism, not only, right, um, powerful promises of Scripture about forgiveness of sins and many other things, but 
but other men and women will be invited to make a public proclamation of their faith as well. And then I just want to add, we talked about one metaphor for the body of Christ, um, but there are many. And there's something beautiful. I know the word membership. The word membership implies country club, right? And, and we are not a country club, right? We are a body of believers who's called to live in such a way that people encounter Jesus Christ. But just like we saw last week, the, the toe can't say to the ear, you know, I don't want any part of you. There, there has to come a point where you say, you know what, I'm a toe, but I'm part of this body. And, and there's something beautiful that happens when you identify with a body of Christ. And so just in a few weeks, we're going to be um, offering that, that opportunity for you to understand more deeply about what does it mean to be a member of a faith community. Specifically, what does it mean to be a member of this faith community? And at some point, man, you've got to, you've got to make known your intentions. You have to identify. You have to identify with a body of Christ. we got people from all over Indiana here in the room. Um, identify with a body of Christ and become a part of that family. I want to encourage you that, that um, God chose to use this amazing imagery for who he is, right? To say to us, you are not defined by the world's perception of you, but my mercy extends to you right now, right? My mercy extends to you. And, and at some point, you have to come to grips with not who you are. I'm astounded by the world's invitation to let people just try and choose who they are. No, God created you. God formed you. God set apart a destiny for you. And, and in mercy, He's waiting for that day when you step into that destiny. When you step into who He created you to be. I know that when you're able to do that, women and men, when you're able to step into who God says you are, you'll be overwhelmed. Love will flow to you, but also through you. Not just to those around you that have called you to lead, but back to your Heavenly Father, too. I love you, God, because you first loved me. I love you, God, because as your word says, your mercy and grace extends to me. You don't harbor anger toward me. No, you reach out to me in love. So I love you in return.